Hello, welcome to South Texas Stories. My name is Richard Quiroz. Today you'll be listening to the story of how a small shelter made a huge impact for a community against Hurricane Harvey. Hurricane Harvey impacted the Gulf Coast of Texas in the pre-dawn hours of August 25th, 2017, growing from a Category 3 to a Category 4 storm within a matter of hours the day before. In addition to the damage sustained by many local communities, the storm impacted the personal experiences of the people who witnessed it firsthand. From the impact of Hurricane Harvey and the human need for community, this is a story about shelter from the storm. When we think of temporary shelters, what tends to come to mind are community centers or even local sports stadiums. However, what if I told you that no matter how small a shelter may be, the impact it has is what truly matters? For example, let's look at Refugio, Texas, a small quiet town not far from the Texas Gulf Coast. It is a community where neighbors know one another, where you are likely to see them at a community event on the weekend where friends would load up their pickups for a few hours of fishing and talk about Friday night's football game. The shelter I want to tell you about today is called Joy Ministries, and this story proves that no matter how small shelter is, its impact will always be felt. Here in Harvey, uh, we just happened to be there. Another time we buy shoes for back to school and we, uh, for the kids, we do a, a, par- a party at Christmas, which brings in about 500 people. And we feed people and, and we just try to meet a need so that the neighborhood can grow up well adjusted and also just to make a difference and, and, and be there for anybody that needs assistance and also to, uh, to do what we're called to do. This is Joel Garcia speaking about Joy Ministries. He is a pastor, a husband, a father, and is well known in the town. In August of 2017, Joy Ministries would operate as a gathering place for the town of Refugio, Texas. Gathering places are specific locations which operate as some form of assistance in the immediate aftermath of a natural disaster, usually in the form of a shelter. I asked him about his experiences with Hurricane during his youth and how the community would often prepare for them. I remember hurricanes like, I think it was Carla, but we just went to spend the night and then we went home and there was another hurricane when we were in high school. It might have been Allen. We went to the school and we sheltered down there and, you know, ate canned goods and then went home. But uh, this was totally different. No one exactly knows how the impact of a storm will play out. The most we are able to predict is the path a major hurricane like Harvey takes. I asked Mr. Garcia how Joy Ministries became a shelter in the wake of the gigantic storm that continued to grow in the Gulf of Mexico. Here in Harvey, the reason that we opened up to be a uh, a shelter was because we built a new church and we had to build it according to windstorm code. So what we did is we built it to code. And when Harvey came, uh, actually in referral, they had a mandatory evacuation. So like that, when a mandatory evacuation, the county doesn't have to provide shelter. And there was no shelters in town. And uh, I started getting calls about 12 o'clock. And uh, we're going to open up. And I called the man that uh, that built the church. And I said, hey, uh, what do you think? He says, well, we didn't cut any corners. So it's a good time to find out.
Over the course of the storm, 10 to 15 inches of rain drenched the Refugio County and broader areas. I wonder how it would be possible to let the residents of the surrounding community know that shelter was available when the storm came. I asked Mr. Garcia how they were able to spread the word that Joy Ministries would serve as a shelter for the time being. Well, when we made the decision about 12 o'clock, about 1 o'clock, I called the sheriff and I told him, look, got some people got nowhere to go. They don't have no vehicles or nothing, so we're going to open up. I knew the responsibility that we had, but I was trusting God and that our building was built according to code and we didn't cut any corners. And so we were going to do the best we could do. So we uh, made beds out of the uh, chairs, put them together and some people bought their own clothes, their own uh, blankets, and, and it was probably word of mouth more than anything. Communication was key for the community to have. The church turned shelter proved to be a critical component for the community in the coming days. For other areas closer to the Gulf of Mexico, the Andrefugio, damage was extensive. Many homes were destroyed. Businesses had the glass windows cracked or shattered. Boards and road signs were tossed with other debris on the slick surface roads. Telephone poles toppled and stretched their wires to the ground. Even natural land features, such as coastlines, were swallowed by the storm surge. Piece by piece, countless trees across several coastal counties were damaged as well. As for Mr. Garcia, there was still the matter of his own home and family that he still had to attend to. When uh, I had my own things to take care of that night, my front door blew in and uh, my windows blew out and I stayed up all night. It started getting harder and harder to deal with it because uh, it wasn't stopping. About four o'clock in the morning, I asked God to stop it and it stopped uh, about five. I walked outside and I saw like mobile homes in the middle of the road, power lines down, trees down. I personally had lost all the trees in my yard, my fences, my windows were blowed out. My neighbor's roof was gone, part of my roof was gone, and it's just devastation. So um, I went ahead and kept my word. Now, we still had gas. The electricity had gone out about 9 o'clock the night before. The storm caused much damage across the Refugio, Texas, but it was the stories that stuck with Mr. Garcia the most. Every person had their own story to share with Mr. Garcia. People talked about what they did to prepare or what they had to do in order to remain safe from the sheer ferocity of the storm. From their own words, residents recalled to him what they did to protect themselves. Uh, a man with his kids, you know, hunkered down in the bathroom. A lady told me, she said that she was at her house and it got so bad that she jumped in her bathtub and she put a, the pot to cook tamales over her head and put a mattress over her. You know, but it's things that you did. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I said, for real? She said, yeah, for real. <laughs> you know, she was, I went to school with her. You know, it was kind of funny, you know, but uh, it was for real. Moments like the one Mr. Garcia described occurred for different residents who arrived at the shelter. Over there, 
Local residents stayed together and met with one another as the days following Hurricane Harvey passed. Some people went home believing that their homes, though damaged, would still be standing. Unfortunately, that was not the case when I asked him about that. With um, people um, leaving and whenever they found out their houses were uh, severely damaged and they came back, did you um, anticipate that may have that, that would have happened during the storm? No, actually, I was thinking it was going to be like you know, when we were little, that you know, we just spent the night and went home. That was not the case. Uh, people came back, and so we decided to, a man at the church had a uh, food truck. We started uh, taking things from the freezers and started feeding people. Joy Ministries would prove to be a strong social foundation for the community in the weeks that followed. People at the church assisted each other and helped each other during their times of need. Joy Ministries became a place attachment for residents. Despite the name, place attachment is not just about location, but it is essential due to the shared norms of trust that community members place within one another. The actions by Mr. Garcia and the church members would prove to be vital for the residents. I asked Mr. Garcia about the availability of food and resources needed for the coming days. Well, like I said, we had no electricity, and so there was no gas. Matter of fact, uh, the Valero in town, and also the uh, there was another they brought all of their food over so that we could cook it. You know, like they had a bunch of burritos, you know, their fast food burritos, egg rolls, and things of that nature. Uh, they bought all that food, all, all their frozen food over, and we were cooking it. And most of the times, you know, we'd have three square meals, but somebody would come in, you know, 10 o'clock or 2 o'clock, and, you know, they'd make some burritos. or they, we, You know, we always had something to eat there, burritos, chips, or egg rolls. But we always had a big pot of coffee. Well, we had several pots of coffee. I had a man come up to me and says, uh, Joel, do you have a cup of coffee? I said, yeah, man. And I got him a big cup of coffee. He says, you want anything in it? He says, no, I'll take it black. You know, things like that. You know, a couple of guys came in and says, man, I never thought I had to stand in line for a taco. I said, you know what, brother? We're all standing in line. As a group, Mr. Garcia and the other church members were able to provide food to the residents due to the donations of other residents in the community. This is a common practice in the aftermath of natural disasters. One study found that shared traumatic experiences from natural disasters such as storms actually facilitates the successful pursuit of goals. Through a shared situation and common pursuits for the community at the church, these efforts grew further into other areas as well. It was a good fellowship that everybody was like in the same boat and there was no, you know, well, because I'm going to tell you something, brother. I don't care how much money you had, you couldn't buy nothing because everything was closed. You couldn't buy no food. You couldn't buy your soda water. I mean, I, I wanted to die Dr. Pepper so bad. They called us over to the Valero to pick some stuff up, and I asked the lady for die Dr. Pepper, and it was it was hot, but it was good. Donations were crucial for the next few weeks, directly in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. Many organizations and local individuals donated what they had to group-centered gathering places that operated as shelters. On the Drefugio County website titled Hurricane Harvey Information, more information was available for donations and availability to inform people by September 9th of 2017. We were so busy where we were at because we were feeding like 500 people a day and uh, we were doing it. We ran out of, ran out of food 
And uh, because people were just bringing in, like the people that stayed at the church, they went and got their stuff from the freezers. And I was telling a friend of mine that we were on the keto diet. We didn't even know it. <laughs> that's all we were eating. There were no vegetables. There was no fruits. And and uh, and about about eight days into it, uh, HEB bought us all their vegetables, and uh, we were able to feed people vegetables and fruit. And because uh, they were they didn't have any power, also. The church was able to continue to assist residents for the days to come. For the time being, they depended on one another, unifying against the remnants of the storm and necessities needed. Like the other communities, each person played a vital role in assisting their neighbors in any way they could for the time being. What allowed Joy Ministries to operate as an effective gathering place was due to the social resources available, such as food, shelter, and unity. In the following days, residents began to clean up. I asked Mr. Garcia if he saw how the community came closer during times of distress. Yeah, I say a fellowship is because people used to come there like in the mornings and they would drink coffee and they would sit and they would talk. Then what happened after the church cleared out, some people didn't want to leave because they didn't know where they were going. They were still secure. We had to move them on. You know, I told them you have to go to the Red Cross so you can get into the system so they can start working with you. And they did. After those 15 days, we made Joy Ministries into a cooling shelter, a, a cooling place where people were coming in. The people were bringing uh, groups into the referio to do work. And we, we had Gatorade, and we had sandwiches at lunch, and uh, you can come in there. We had that air condition going, and and uh, people would cool off and talk a little bit and get a plan and go back out to work. And I we see. did that. I, I don't, we did that for a couple of weeks. Uh, and it was still summer, too, um, after Eric and Harvey, right? Yeah. And then the, I'll tell you what, I've never seen so many mosquitoes in my life. The days that followed began a community cleanup, removing down trees and repairing damaged homes and property. It was still summertime, and in the hot, humid climate that engulfs the coastal air in South Texas, the people assisted one another. As more residents of the shelter slowly left, the church remained a social block for the community. Mr. Garcia describes this point. And then people would come by and say, well, can you help me with this? And, and well, let's get some guys and go do, let's go tarp up a house or something. It was just a place to, to get a plan and get a good hot cup of coffee and get the day started and then come back and eat. And, but we had some good people, too. The people that were staying at the church really came and they really ran the business. They ran like people that didn't have no place to go. They were red, waiting on Red Cross. They do the food distribution, the organization, uh, the helping with the cooking, the cleaning up, you know, because it would be like a mess. Like Mr. Garcia. The members of Joy Ministries and the other churches in the Refugio, Texas, they immediately began to provide any form of assistance they could. It wouldn't be until much later that disaster relief organizations such as the Red Cross or FEMA came in. But for the immediate future, residences depend on one another. Over time, more people lent their efforts to help their neighbors with any damage. They assisted with down fences, broken branches, tarping a window, you name it. These social networks were vital for the Refugio residences and proved to remain strong directly after the passing of the storm. In his reflection, 
Mr. Garcia describes what has changed over the past three years after Hurricane Harvey hit. You know, everything takes time. And, and, but things have been steady moving. When will it be over? Uh, I think, um, and honestly, I, I told a person after the storm that referral will never be the same. It, it changed completely. Different houses, different people moved away. It, it'll never be the same uh, as I knew it when we were growing up in it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, it's, it's a totally different town. I think that there is a lot of more unity. There's a lot more not taking things for granted. After Hurricane Harvey had passed, it was assessed that the main cause for its strength was due to very warm ocean heat, a strong indicator of climate change. To give you an idea of the storm's rapid growth, just two days before, it was known as Tropical Depression Harvey on August 23, 2017. Even at the time of this interview on September 20, 2020, Tropical Storm Beta was close by, and I actually feared that I would have to reschedule again. Fortunately, Tropical Storm Beta didn't disrupt network connections, though I did find it eerily strange how we were discussing a major past hurricane during a tropical storm. You know, you got down trees and people need to refuel. And uh, it's, it, it's happening a lot more. You know, you look at things like the fires in the West Coast and people losing things, losing everything. With the force of Mother Nature. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to persevere. And uh, as a pastor, I got to say, you know, if it hadn't been for Jesus, there'd be no hope at all, brother. The story of Joy Ministries shows how a small church turned shelter was important for the residences nearby during a major storm. In the face of adversity, the small shelter helped many people, showing its vital role for others. For people like Mr. Garcia, members of the small church and community, they came together and assisted many residents of their own accord. With their efforts, and the efforts of many other small-town residents, this is a story of how through perseverance and faith in one another, people are able to triumph in the face of adversity.